Today on the World Triathlon Podcast, technical issues mean we sadly won't be able to hear from Yuko Takahashi as planned, but as we continue to look towards the Tokyo Olympic Games, we do get to hear from her Team Japan cohort Kenji Nenna, who gives us some superb insights on the mental toughness of some greats that he has trained alongside during his time in Australia, and an honest look into his own mindset battles and the importance of meditation and visualisation to bouncing back from disappointment. Also, do keep an eye out on the World Triathlon Instagram next week as we take a tour of some of the best moments from the past three decades on triathlonlive.tv and give you the chance to vote for your all-time favourites. After racing under Team Australia for many years, Kenji Nenna completed the move to represent Japan in 2018. The winner of the Japan National Championships at the end of 2020, he now has Tokyo Olympic qualification in his sights. So Kenji, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Uh, good, thanks. Uh, I'm happy to be on. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been a journey moving across from uh, Australia to Japan. And uh, it's definitely been exciting for me. And uh, I'm definitely excited for the opportunity, the potential opportunity to race at the Tokyo 2020 plus one Olympic Games. So, uh, yeah, you're obviously based in Japan now that that whole kind of, you know, switching uh, representation is something that that happens relatively regularly. But it's, a, it's an interesting process to to get to, the, to grips with and to understand how, how that's gone with you. So you but essentially you did you grow up? Did you spend all your like formative years in Australia? Yes, uh, actually, I completed my honours degree in applied mathematics at uh, University of Western Australia before before moving across. Yeah. So, uh, well, actually, that's I spent. Yeah, I was completing my honours by the end of two thousand and nineteen, but uh, I was still living in Japan from two thousand eighteen to two thousand nineteen. So, uh, the vast majority of that was done by a correspondence. Um, Thankfully, the university was quite lenient with that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, as a as a kid and going to school and so on, your yeah. family was in in the Queensland area, right? Uh, no, actually, my oh. uh, my parents. Uh, I, I grew up in Western Australia. Right. Um, but uh, I moved across when I was seventeen to train with uh, Chris Lang initially, um, and uh, yeah, so he was based in Queensland uh, at the time. He was coaching. Brad Carter felt and uh, Emma Moffat would sometimes jump in in sessions. Right. Um, we had a very good environment and I lived in Queensland for a couple of years uh, before moving back to Western Australia. And then actually I moved back again to Brisbane this time with uh, coach Stephen Moss, uh, who was the head of the QAS program um, with Emma Jackson, Drew Box. Um, yeah, there were, there were a lot of great athletes that I trained with for that period of time and I spent uh three three years in Queensland there so conditions uh, there seem to be rife of a good breeding ground for triathlon and and you've obviously been mixing with some some pretty uh impressive names from the sport as well I mean how how much have, do you learn from being around those kind of people as well as obviously like the coach is is key but just yeah such experience that you've you've been around must really help as well yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, your Brad Carterfelds, Emma Moffat, Emma Jackson, um, they're phenomenal athletes. They're extremely regimented, extremely determined. And, you know, they're awe-inspiring. Um, from a young age, I, I, had, I was very lucky to see what it, what it took to be uh, something 
like them or yeah just Emma Moffat to me uh, was something phenomenal like she she was so mentally tough um I've only ever seen that sort of uh, same with Emma Jackson I've only ever really seen that in in uh, someone like Christian Blumenfeld or Gustav Eden they're just so headstrong uh, it didn't matter what uh, what session they rocked up and they gave it a hundred percent I mean, you know, not everyone can feel peak on every day, but they did their absolute, uh, <laughs> absolute to whatever they had on the day. And, yeah, mm. it was just amazing to see the determination, the resilience, the metal, mental fortitude. Yeah. So, I, I mean, physical preparation is obviously one thing, but there is obviously like a mindset of greatness, right? And and commitment and pushing yourself. And is that, was that almost the most impressive thing about them then? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of athletes nowadays especially have the potential to be, well, at least in the top five in the world. But I think vastly what separates the top 20 to the top five is the mental amplitude. Um, and, you know, those athletes, Emma Moffat, Brad Carterfeld, Emma Jackson, during that period were just so tough. Um, you know, just... They would do obscene things that you would think, I don't want to do that. Like, what, 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 why would you want to do that? But uh, they would enjoy it. Right. And it's the same, it's the same with like Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden and Casper Storms and that whole program. Like, you just, you would see the program and you would think, oh, I, I don't, I don't really want to do it. But, you know, they, they just, they just went after it. And, you know, that, that's something special to see. Uh, I mean, of course, there are other Australian athletes like Ryan Bailey had similar. I mean, he, his mental aptitude was amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talent within Australia, but uh, I think the ones that have stood out are because they can apply themselves mentally. Yeah. And I suppose that is, a lot of that maybe comes with a bit of more experience as well and sort of being around more of those people on a start line right so you sort of punch through to those sort of start lines and then once you've made that step then you're wanting to like be in that top 15 and then be at that pointy end right and it, it kind of you sort of realize what is needed to achieve that at each step of the ladder yeah absolutely I, I think the biggest drive I think for a lot of them was the hunger they they had this hunger and they always had this hunger to win and a lot of great athletes, whether outside of triathlon, running, whatever, whatever sport, they always have this drive, this hunger to win. It's <clears throat> and it must have been instilled from a young age. Maybe they had an experience of winning and they just never wanted to let it, let that go. But, you know, those they love the euphoria associated with winning, I suppose. And, they, and in order to obtain that, and to make themselves special, they have to dedicate themselves and regiment themselves. Um, you know, and I, I think witnessing that was clear amongst those athletes in particular. Yeah. So you said you graduated two years ago, did you, in 2019? Yeah. So end of 2019, December, I graduated. Right. Yeah. So even that, I mean, applied mathematics is obviously <laughs> takes a certain... Uh, yeah. mindset is that does that kind of define slightly your your personality your approach to life would you say you're kind of like a maths head or 
yeah, something I mean, you happen to be good at. Yeah, so I mean, mathematics has definitely been my strong point at uh, high school and uh, yeah, throughout university as well. Um, I mean, my parents have always been, <laughs> they're both academics and uh, they are both extremely intelligent. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose mathematics suited me the best. Um, unfortunately, up until I probably left to Japan, it, it has uh, been a hindrance in the fact that I overthought situations. I would try and almost calibrate how I would need to prepare in the race or like how small or subtle changes would influence the dynamic. And I would try and almost formulate a way to, to optimize my performance based on those changes. But uh, I was overthinking and ex of course, I mean, you know, mental energy as, as many people know, it, it probably consumes more energy potentially than physical and um, leading into races of course, people would be nervous, but uh, I would also, on top of that, on top of nerves, I would also try and uh, have an image or have an expectation upon what would happen in the race and I would overthink. And if it didn't go to the plan, and often, you know, a triathlon has many variables, so <laughs> it, sometimes you just can't predict them all and, mm. uh, yeah, and that would get my head unstuck. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So have your best performances probably been those times where by virtue of whatever like race situation, but you've been able to just like go with the flow a little bit more uh, yeah. and, and switch yeah. that part off? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, now I'm able to control myself far more and uh, that's come as a result of meditation and better visualization and sort of... Um, not having the obsession to try and control everything more so as you say going through the flow of things um, but uh yes definitely when racing um for australia in particular it's when uh, my best races uh, qualifying for the junior worlds for instance they were they, they were uh they were all races where i sort of just kept it simple and went with the flow and and did the best I could in the situation given. Um, yeah. And also presumably just completing your studies must have been quite a moment as far as like not having that other massive thing on your mind for quite a lot of the time. And, and then to be able to just switch that off and focus entirely on your racing must have been pretty nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was a definite change. Uh, trying to complete my thesis while in Japan and doing it via correspondence was definitely not easy. Uh, took, yeah, it took a lot of work and, and I was surprised I managed to get through it in the end. Um, but I produced a, a relatively good grade in uh, what I considered to be um, for the honours. So I was, I was very pleased with that. And uh, now I've moved on and and currently concentrating solely on triathlon. Yeah. Mm. The thesis, anything that we can relate to, or is it pretty high level stuff? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> what, was the, what, was the, what was the subject? Uh, the subject actually, well, I try to make it as interesting as possible because I mean, I mean, most people would probably look at applied mathematics and see how does that relate with life? Uh, so what I actually did is try to, well, I created well, uh, yeah, so basically I 
did my thesis based on hedging bets on the Australian Open and various Opens. And how I would do that is I use the ELO system, which is an ELO ranking system. I don't know whether you've seen Face Smash, which was like uh, that Facebook movie they had and they were ranking the girls by... Uh, I don't know whether you see that. Anyway, that, um, he was ra- ranking about the early days of Facebook when that was yeah, how it right. began. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And anyway, so it's a similar system, and uh, of course, I've I've changed it. Um, but but the the basics of it was the Elo system, the Elo algorithm, mm-hmm. and I would calibrate uh, each athlete based on their previous wins, and I would load the various levels of the tournaments. Let's say you had a Grand Slam. ATP 500 series or, or master series. And based on the previous results, I would uh, change the ranking. And then I would basically be able to change, if two players met, I would be able to change it into a probability or a chance of winning. And then I further broke it into the strength of a player's serve and the strength of a player's return. And I could actually follow the probability of the match and I could hedge bets based on where I believed that the trajectory of the match was going. Um, that was actually quite interesting and uh, it made it made a profit, but uh, unfortunately I don't have enough money to sort of uh, spend <laughs> on that program. But uh, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. Wow. Well, we might be on sort of fairly thin ice there discussing too much about the gambling on on the yeah, world yeah. Triathlon podcast but that does sound very interesting like so your parents academics as well did it was there a sort of a sporting background as well or were you like somewhat forging out on a, on your own there and and hoping for their support in that as well then uh i think my mother in particularly has been interested in sport um she used to love to do marathons and all, all oh, sorts right. of different sports uh but uh yeah, my, my, my father was less so, but, but I mean, he still welcomed the idea, uh, idea and he was more into martial arts. So, uh, yeah, so that, 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 that was a, I don't think it's quite forging, but it, it definitely was, um, yeah, a different lifestyle. So what they were probably expecting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you dip your toe into martial arts at all as a, as a kid or have you been? No, really unfortunately when I was, yeah, no, unfortunately when I was a kid, um, you know, I had a lot of energy and I, and I couldn't really control it. A martial arts is something that uh, is it, somewhat of a formality and you need to show respect and you need to follow, uh, yeah, instructions and, yeah. Whereas you that, needed to burn energy. But... <laughs> that's exactly right. So that, 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 from that aspect or that, yeah, it, it didn't really suit me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, for parents with hyperactive kids, it's... Uh triathlon is maybe the perfect thing it's like right you've got to go out there and do three sports okay so that's right that's that's exactly right um so but obviously you still had family in japan and and that is by virtue of that connection you've been able to make the switch from australia um and that was obviously with a view to tokyo olympics presumably yeah absolutely um the jtu were yeah very welcoming and I'm extremely grateful and very privileged to have the opportunity that they have put in front of me. Um, I'm working with the national head coach Patrick Kelly, um, and uh, yeah, uh, that 
that it, it has been an amazing experience. Yeah, of course, my grandmother is still, and I know from a young age, I did every year visit Japan and, and spend time with uh, my grandmother as much as I could. Um, the, I mean, despite having grown up in Australia for such a long time, um, I always felt that I wanted to explore the Japanese culture a lot more because um, the Australian and uh, sorry the Japanese culture a lot more because the Australian and the Japanese culture are quite different um, yeah it, yeah they're very different so you know I, I've always felt that pull and I saw this as a great opportunity not only to compete for Japan at WTS and potentially the Olympic Games but also to discover yeah half well I mean I'm half Japanese so half of my family and yeah. really understand well better understand the culture yeah yeah because it is obviously a very unique place isn't it and yeah I'm sure yeah very different to Australia but equally it's a place of uh of kind of contrast right I've I seem to remember Tokyo feeling that Tokyo was at once very calm but at the same time completely there are yeah these little pockets of just tranquility and then yeah the next Absolutely. thing you know, there there's like disco music banging out of a speaker on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, you, you have the traditional side of Japan and then you have, well, your, your Tokyo, basically, the, what is the latest innovation and in technology? I mean, mm. you know, you, you have all sorts of strains of various cultures and, and it's, it's quite diverse and it, it's... It's probably not what most people expected initially going to Japan. They probably thought, oh, yeah, you know, they, they often, I would believe that the further you explore Japan, the, the broader your perspective will be of Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and currently you're in, you're, you're near Mount Fuji, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, is that because is that where the family was, was from? Oh, no. So this is where the Trojan base, uh, this is designated by the JTU and the right. National Program. But uh, oh, it is a beautiful place. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, you can actually see Mount Fuji. So I run along the river. You can see Mount Fuji every day. Uh, and we ride uh, relatively close to it. Of course, never been up it. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you ride rel relatively close to it. Uh, it's, it's picturesque. It's beautiful. And is the meditation visualization something that you've brought in kind of recently? Has that sort of gelled with the move back to Japan or? Yeah. So, I mean, of course, um, I mean, Australians, I mean, I, I don't know whether Australians meditate, but uh, the psychologist that I worked with at one stage did recommend it. However, that's more or less been introduced further in Japan. Hmm consolidated that concept i suppose um they referred to it as zazen and it's yeah i mean buddha and all, all sorts of different or various types of meditation um uh, is available in japan and i think if if you're able to release yourself of emotions and sort of let let go of things a lot quicker then in a state of nervousness or in a state of uncertainty, you're able to let go of emotions and and have a clearer uh, a clearer view of what you need to do. 
um, rather than having a clouded perspective all the time. Yeah. Mm. So are you, do you follow more, like, is it a breathing pattern thing or, or certain thought processes or what, what is your kind of chosen method? So, yeah, so, I mean, it depends what stage you are in, in meditation. I mean, the, the easiest one is basically to focus on your breath um, mm -hmm. and it keeps you in. Um, but then the further and further you go, you're able to, you, you reach what they call a state of nothingness. So you're not actually thinking about anything, but you're completely, your mind is clear of anything. There's no clutter, there's nothing. Um, and, it, and it depends um, how, how long you've been doing it for, I suppose. Right. Yeah, you know, you, you can invest a lot of time into meditation. Um, and mm. yeah, it, it depends at what level you want to obtain, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And I, but I can imagine that it dovetails quite well with the visualization, yeah, which absolutely. is all about like putting yourself into those race positions, right? And, you know, yeah. in the water and where you want to be and so on. But then yeah. I'm interested how that fits in with you saying about like overthinking sometimes during races. So if you're, if you visualized where, how you want a race to go and then you find yourself in the race and you're not in that position, then how does that kind of create even more of a, sort of a storm somehow yeah so absolutely I, I think previously that would have created uh, quite a storm to be honest yeah um i think i probably would have let go of i, I probably might have even switched off um but uh, it, the more that you're able to bring yourself and in, in and, and let go of your emotions and accept the biggest thing is to accept the situation don't reject it um, and once you've accepted the situation, then you think about what you can control rather than reject the situation and basically just throw it out. So it, the biggest thing for me was then now is I can accept the situation and deal with it and be proactive with it and show my initiative rather than keep rejecting the idea and, and basically putting myself into a negative state whether I'm always continuously thinking about how did I get here mm -hmm. rather than what I can do. Right. And then, so just to go back, so you were brought into the, the Japan national high performance setup, obviously part of a, a rich history of Japanese triathlon as well. Do you, you know, is there very much a sense of, of that around the JTU and so on like that, you know, it, it's been there since day one, hasn't it? And, and been an incredible force on the world triathlon scene. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, even when I competed for Australia, I, I did race against probably uh, one of the most, two most prominent Japanese triathletes that I can think of, which would be uh, Tayama and uh, Hosoda. And, uh, you know, you know that, that, that has been a... Yeah, it's it's definitely they've both left a mark and, and and they've left a hole. And then something we need to fill. We need to we need to progress to their level and and uh, achieve better than what they have previously completed. Which I mean, Tayama uh, did an amazing job, and I, and and I've got a big shoes to fill. But uh, it's definitely possible, you know. Um, yeah, we have uh, everything uh, we need and. Uh, the national team is growing stronger and stronger day by day. So mm -hmm. yeah, 
um, I'm really looking forward to the 2021 season when it starts. Yeah. Yeah, quite. And, and so in that in-between, you were racing under the then ITU flag. So does that does that mean you are literally without a team for that period? Like, would a JTU allowed to help you or Australia, you know, still able to give you some support? Oh, uh, no. So basically, once I've decided to leave Australia, that that was definitely it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is completely fair enough. Uh, I mean, uh, Australia, I mean, I just wasn't someone who sort of suited the pathway in the end. Uh, I also had a, a big injury um, that basically put me out um, for a long time. But uh, I mean, you, you, you know, um, Japan has been more than welcoming and, and despite being in the ITU, being listed as ITU, they went out of their way to help me and they gave me support um, and opened me with welcome arms. Like uh, there's, there's nothing more they could have done during that period. So I was extremely grateful and lucky to have that. Yeah. And obviously that is by virtue of your sort of progress and results as an athlete and so on. And, you know, coming through like how hard is it to sort of punch through into those world cup starts and then obviously make that next step up into the world series your your first wts was 2017 right yeah that, that, that that's right um i don't know how much i can actually share on that 2017 race but uh i had a role that i had to fulfill for uh, an athlete during that 2017 race uh in montreal and uh, at the time, the high performance director um, basically um, thought this would be the best strategy leading, leading into the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. And they, they were willing to, they wanted me to try it out. And uh, it was a great experience. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I was so excited. And I don't regret that at all, um, what I did. Um, yeah, racing in Montreal, that was, uh, it was an amazing experience. I got to race against the world's best, uh, and, uh, and represent my country at the time. So yeah, I was more than excited. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Yokohama two years later was, was your next world series, right? Um, yeah. and like really well placed off the bike. I, I'm kind of fascinated. So it's like, you know again only only your second appearance at, at that kind of level and you're you're coming off the bike after a tough ride and you know just a, a minute back so can you remember like how how were the legs and obviously you know it, was the the mind willing but the body not quite able or or how did that kind of how was that process yeah no i definitely uh, I, I definitely remember that now the first the first 5 5k off the bike was was good but then after that it was awful to be honest right. but i mean it is it is that that was my capability at the time and i i have to accept that um i had a solid swim but unfortunately i didn't quite make the break at the front but uh, the pace was definitely hot that day i, I remember that uh alessandra fabian came back to our group and i was thinking oh if he's back then it must have been cracking at the front so yeah, um, you know, it was, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure Vincent Louis won that day, didn't he? Uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. believe so, yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, he's obviously been in the form of his life and just sort of 
pushing yeah. the the capabilities of of what you guys need to do to try and wrestle that title from him right i mean that alone must be a fairly intimidating watching some of those performances at the end of 2020 yeah well it's not so much as intimidating but it's it is it's amazing to see um and i'm very excited to uh see vonson louis um absolutely dominate it to be honest I'm, i'm happy for him but uh yeah, uh, it shows that uh, I have a lot of work to do and the rest of the world does to some extent. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I don't find it as an intimidating thing. I, I think it's great. Uh, it's a goal. And uh, yeah. he's, uh, he's one of my idols. Of course, the Norwegians are also my idols. But, uh, you, know, they, you know, it's something to pursue. It's not something to be afraid of. No, quite. And... and- as was shown by your performances at the end of last year as well. Like, and, and in Carla Vivari, obviously you were, you were flying and that was, uh, it was all set up for a, for a brilliant yeah. race, yeah. Run, uh, yeah. final 10 K run there. Um, not to, you know, dwell on it too much, but yeah, that, no, was, I, yeah. that was, uh, that was an unfortunate coming together with Mark DeVay at the end there yeah. that kind of that ended the race. Huh? Yeah. No, um, you know, the, the unfortunate thing was uh, we, well, it was a split decision to go to Hamburg and I, I went into the world championships uh, late. I think we decided basically the day before we left that we were going to go into the world championships. So, right. I mean, um, coming 20th at the world championships, I was relatively happy with it, but I, I knew I had a lot more. And then I was thinking, all right, so Carlo Vivari is going to be my shot. So the swim worked out to be perfect the bike pretty much 99 percent of it worked out to be perfect and uh, the way i'd been running at that time i was thinking i'm definitely in it for a podium um but unfortunately uh, that incident happened and that's uh something i can't control and that's in the past now so all i can do is basically be better than what i was at that at that point of time and uh I know it's in me, so now it's about replicating it and doing better than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what 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 is the the kind of the mindset, the the kind of reset when a situation like that happens at the race? You just kind of walk away and like have a word and try and put it to bed. <laughs> well, that that was extremely tough. Um, it's. It was tough for a couple of reasons. The first one was, of course, I mean, the race, the race, potentially the race of my life had just gone out the window. Um, Mm. And then the second was, uh, I, yeah, I didn't really have that many scratches as such, but uh, my wrists, both wrists were, were shocking. Like I I had no feel for, for like six, six weeks. It it was, uh, I did race Arcachena, but, I trying to get out of the swimming pool with my hands on the side and pushing myself. I, I couldn't do it. I, I remember uh, all the trainings afterwards, I would have to um, go backwards to go to the sort of saddle up to the pool edge and sort of get myself backwards or roll myself out of the swimming pool um, because both my wrists were busted and then descending on the climbs. Cause I went to font remote with uh, Norway um, to get an altitude block in, but uh, descending and 
all those jars on the wrist, I would like literally scream because it was, it was just so painful. I had, uh, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't fracture it, but I, I must've torn a ligament or something. Cause it was just, it was excruciating. I remember. And I think, I mean, I got through Arcachena and unfortunately I had another crash. <laughs> so yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, after Arcachena, that was, that was an extremely tough time. Uh, you know, I was very grateful to have my girlfriend at the time support me through that time because it was just, it was, yeah, it was mentally extremely challenging and having the national championships only a couple of weeks after that race, uh, I needed to basically let go and reset myself and, uh, do what I can and um, it took me the flight back to Japan in order for me to get my head straight and then once I started training in my home environment I felt more comfortable and then I started believing in myself a lot more mm. but uh, it's amazing how you could go from basically your best ever performance to thinking that um, I have no place here that's what it sort of it, it, it was amazing to have that sensation um, being so close to what you ever wanted to achieve and then all of a sudden going to thinking, oh, do I belong here? And it, it's all mental. And that's why I respect those with so much mental resilience and so much mental fortitude because, I mean, having experienced that and experienced my, my other significant injury, you know, to come back and to fight and, and to believe in yourself to win um, takes a lot of mental strength. I mean, uh, as an example, I watched uh, Christian crash in Hamburg. I think that was in 2019. Uh, or was it? Yeah, 2019. And then he was in very good form. And then we trained together leading to the Tokyo test event. I thought this guy is literally going to shred absolutely shred the field and he crashed in the Tokyo test event and uh I thought oh my god well you got the world championships left I mean he he, had, he couldn't run for a while and I was thinking oh come on like this this course is meant for him right and you, you could see it in his face when he won that race it was just in such jubilation that he won it and overcame yeah, himself yeah I, I think yeah, and was done. You know, yeah. Hats off, hats off to athletes like that. It's just, yeah, yeah. To me, uh, I think that deserves a lot of praise. And uh, uh, I mean, there, there are many athletes like that, but yeah, to me, that was an outstanding performance. And in any like elite career, I suppose those are the sort of dark places that you never want to go. through to but inevitably perhaps will at some point and it's there's so many factors involved as well in how you come out of it whether it's your own sort of mental toughness the people around you and so on and uh and obviously i guess was the japanese national championships was your your lausanne that was your kind of salvation oh, exactly yeah and that's exactly right so had yeah. that race not gone well things oh, yeah i know that you know that's right. I mean, think, I mean, I'm not saying that oh, I wouldn't be here or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, think things would have been very difficult for me. That's for sure. 
But uh, on the day, I, I knew I, I had the potential to do it, potential to win. And, you know, I, I had to deliver. Um, and it just came down to that. I, I wanted it. I had the hunger to win um, that day. And I, I have to find that hunger to win every day that I step on the line. Yeah, because ultimately that, that that's the defining difference. That's all it is. Yeah. And so, were those the sort of conversations you were having with yourself on the plane back after Azucena? Then, and like you know, there's nothing like a long haul flight to make your that's exactly right. No long haul flight. Yeah, <laughs> to think it out. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. The the, uh, the mind behaves in strange ways when you're thirty thousand feet up and. Exactly. Find yourself during the flight back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it, I mean, so talking about the, the Tokyo test event, that was that mixed relay stint that you put in that bike was one of the fastest out there. There weren't many that got under 10 minutes for that, for that section. Is that the, is that a course that you're, you've definitely got, I mean, it's, it's the Olympic course, so you're going to want to be there for that, but is yeah. it, it look like a kind of course you can definitely get your hands in hands dirty on? Yeah. You know, I think the, Definitely for that period of time, I was concentrating on the mixed team relay more so than the standard distance. And that concept has recently changed. But, you know, I I love mixed team relay events. I think it's fun. I think it's explosive. I think there can be more tactics applied because it's such a new sport. I don't think they've been applied just yet. Um, and, it, and it's just exciting. And I think for in terms of the spectator's perspective, I think it's more exciting for them to watch, uh, not to pull anything away from the standard distance, uh, but it, it, it is explosive. It's fun. Yeah, there's a lot of turns. Um, it's high speed and people are going for it on the on the run, you know, it, it, and the bike and, and the swim. I, I think it's a great addition to the sport. Mm. Where do you stand on, on other... Uh, formats as well, like the Eliminator and so on. Are they are they things that oh, you? Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Tizzy Varus is actually one of my favourite events. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's all. Uh, you know, despite the the absolute punch on, I shouldn't say this, but like to the first can, it it is it is good fun. It, it's a great event. I mean, there's I think there's three loops of uh, of two hundred and fifty meters for a seven fifty swim. You know, it's absolute carnage, but, but, you know, it's good fun, you know, and I think every athlete accepts that. Um, not that anyone's deliberately trying to, you know, trying to you know, pull anyone down. I'm not saying that. It's more the fact that everyone has similar capabilities and it's only 110 metres, you know, yeah. to the first, you know, it just, just can't be helped. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that sort of, that different eliminator series, like what they do in the Super League, that's all good stuff. I think it's I think it's great for the sport. Oh, yeah, I, I love that sort of stuff. So, you know, if if there's plans for the for the for extending the, the format they have in Tizzy, and uh, like, I'm I'm interested to know from an athlete's point of view how. So, say you had the qualifiers on the Saturday, um, and the top fifteen or twenty. Yeah qualify but then maybe there'd be a repechage like a race off uh, for it so you could potentially do two races and on the saturday and qualify for the sunday and then if you were going to finish in the top 10 then you'd have three races because there'd be a disqual you know a, yeah uh, people coming out at the end of each of those you'd, you'd lose 10 
10 races, yeah. uh, 10 athletes. So what, I mean, that those final kind of starts where you've obviously got quite a quick turnaround and so on as well, like how does that compare to a standard or, or sprint distance, like one off race in terms of like what your body's going through? I think it's, I think it's a completely different style of racing. There's no mm. doubt. I think it requires different training and uh, also not only that, I, I, I think it, I think it suits different people. No. I think I think that that that's the biggest thing. Um, uh, I actually prefer that Eliminator style racing from my perspective. Uh, I, no, so I'm going to be biased. I think it is going to be uh, more spectator friendly to see something like that mm. uh, because people are more desperate. You know, like I mean, once the top five or ten goes through the line, I mean it's. You know, not to say that take anything away from the, the 15th to 20th because that, that's still <clears throat> amazing result. But I think people start to fizzle down. Yeah. Um, whereas if you had an eliminator style, you know, no one wants to get dropped. Every place counts. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to miss out. So I, I think from that perspective, I think you'll see a lot of people reaching above what they ordinarily would have expected to produce mm. because of that yeah. yeah and then i suppose that immediately feeds back into the mixed relay performances it's over the similar distance right and it kind of yeah. it's that explosive power and it's uh yeah just a whole new layer that keeps it interesting across the season and makes oh absolutely oh, i think it's i think it's i think it's great i think what where is it leaving where they also have that uh, super sprint Mm. on the track and the swimming pool or something yeah. that, that trying to introduce that yeah so yeah i think that format is interesting for for a lot of athletes and i think for spectators in terms of in triathlon getting more popular well world renowned or so better well known i think that uh that format would definitely do us a lot of good um so yeah, I'm excited for the future if if that is available. Yeah. And for you personally, then uh, ahead of Tokyo, you know, well, and and also, so you've been living in Japan now for for a while. How how's the the sort of atmosphere ahead of the games? Obviously, the world over, there's uncertainty still. But you know, what, how how's the how's the atmosphere and, and environment there in the press right. and people and yeah. I mean, look, I mean, the coronavirus, as I'm sure everyone is aware, I mean, it's an epidemic that has taken the world by storm and, and a lot of people are suffering. And, you know, while I love sport and, and I understand that people might feel that the coronavirus has, uh, has taken so much away from them that they, they, they think the Olympics cannot be possible. But I, I think... From another perspective, I think this is a way to bring us all together. Um, and from that perspective, I think the Olympics should go ahead. You just <clears throat> just do your best to prepare uh, and, and hope um, that, it, that it will go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So you just got to get yourself in the shape, best shape possible. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hope basically. Yeah, it's exactly. I mean, our job doesn't change. We still Life need to do athlete, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah.
focusing on the things you can control is uh, pretty much the, the motto. Yeah, exactly. That's all you can do at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you. Thanks, Kenji, for uh, taking the time to come on. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for having me on.